Welcome to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. Join myself, Zorananda, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. Hello and welcome to the Renegade Yogi Podcast Experience. My name is Zorananda. Today I'm here with a really amazing guest. He is my music producer and licensor and publisher. He is a guitar virtuoso, meaning that he's extra wicked and sick on the guitar. I've learned so much from him and everything that he knows. So please welcome John Atonic to the podcast so what's up man well thank you Zoran for that uh, flattering uh, introduction uh, virtuoso guitar player not so much anymore since I'm mostly focusing on production and and publishing and licensing and and record label a lot of administrative things so I don't have much time to play guitar much anymore but in a couple of weeks you know I could get back up to maybe close to virtuoso yeah level <laughs> if I need to do some guitar tracks for, per se yeah which i might yeah you know, there's always something coming up that oh yeah i remember this project from f many many years ago that i still didn't finish of my progressive jazz rock fusion <laughs> stuff yeah and, uh, we were know. talking about that last night right we're yeah. like uh we were recording um yeah just the all the guitar stuff for a new ep that we're working on and my hands were getting wrecked from playing over and over and over and over again. And uh, just from all the times where you had to show me um, just some of the rhythm that you came up with and, you know, getting me to record that. And that weird uh, fingering of chords. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm feeling it too now, you know, like um, that there's just a stiffness that's coming in and it's just a mindfulness thing, right? It's like what I can do to, you know, um, like know my limits now where I'm not an 18 year old where I can just shred for hours, you know, yeah, where yeah. I remember just like being in my apartment and, um, you know, playing guitar for six hours, five hours without even knowing it just like blows by. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and guitar, learning guitar, it's, it's like, it's like yoga for the fingers is yeah. what it is. Like you got to develop these stretches, like especially if you're learning jazz chords there's a lot of weird like jazz chords that you know your fingers are doing all kinds of weird yeah shit, all the like diminished and augmented and <laughs> yeah. flat nines and sharp yeah. fives yeah it's like crazy but for the rock players you know just the basic power chords i mean oh yeah not much stretching going on there <laughs> yeah um so i guess what um we can kind of get into um, because obviously you're very talented. Um, every time I come to your house, I learn something like brand new. Like you have this just database of terminology and systems and how things work. Um, was music the first 
part of that, you know? So like everything you talk to me about the stocks and like music, and then you'll just like bring up topics and like how you created your own like software and stuff. And like you have all these tools. Um, do you think that started with music because of how like you went so deep into it, into that first or? Uh, yeah, for sure. Music was my first love. Uh, I was around 10 when I got my first guitar. It was just an acoustic guitar that my mother bought me. And the music runs on my mother's side of the family. She grew up with three sisters and they all played mandolins and guitars and sang harmonies together. They were just natural. They didn't mm -hmm. have any music lessons. Her father was a, a, was a musician as well. He played accordion. And, and so it was, it's in the, in the blood. It's in the, like they say, the apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree. Mm -hmm. That's the case, in, even the case with my son now, who's also a musician, and we've produced a couple of, one album some years ago and working on a second one now with his band. So, yeah, the music was the first thing for sure for me. And then uh, it was grade nine, the Christmas of grade nine, where I got my first electric guitar. And yeah. I remember that one. It was like, uh, I wish I still had it. Um, and that kind of ties into the whole yoga aspect of the of my life at, uh, in my early 20s, where um, I don't want to divert too much in that, but because this is a yogi uh, podcast mm -hmm. about yoga, I did uh, eventually um, discover uh, a guru and gave away everything and moved into an ashram. So I gave away my first guitar, which I really fucking regret <laughs> that I did. Uh, yeah. To, to, you know, to take on vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. And, and that didn't last long until, you know, I realized that's not a life for me and, and, and went back into music. Uh, and it was, uh, and yeah, so going back, setting back a bit farther from that, um, as a teenager, after I got my first electric guitar, I had a few guitar lessons, but it seemed like every other week there was a new teacher and I'm like, what the hell, you know, like, and they weren't really showing me what I th thought I needed to know to play, mm -hmm. you know, rock music. Like I was into Jimi Hendrix and Black Sabbath and, and Led Zeppelin and the Who, those type of bands, Rolling Stones. Yeah. Man, those are all the bands that I was into. And it's Pink so crazy, Floyd. the parallel. Yeah. yeah. And I even started at the same time. Like, I was in grade nine. Yeah. It was yeah. like it was like the summer of going into grade 10 where I got a guitar. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I like, I get it. But I knew that with my guitar, I was buying a piece of shit. Like, it was just, like, some cheap, like, Barracuda, like, who knows, like, off-brand, just cherry red guitar. Um but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a life changing moment. Right. And, um, it's, I think it's incredible to see how you are now. Right. And to only have known you for the last maybe like six years or seven years, I think, I think we originally met, I don't even know when it was the first time we I met. Think it was like, 2012. Yeah. So that was when I started hanging out at Zen Den. Yeah, that's right. Like Zanden and Nur and um, and Nourish and, and Nourish. my first Astral Harvest Festival. Yeah, which is like holy. Fuck. But, but I think <laughs> the first time I met you was at Sunbelly. Could have been I, I Sunbelly. I think for too. one of the events at Sunbelly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, uh, yeah, you'd bring like your little rig and like your guitar and amp and stuff, and yeah, just blow everyone away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I was saying, it's it's interesting to see 
how you are now, but not knowing what you went through to get to the point that you are now. Right. And I think that's what's so perplexing, you know, because anyone can look just like a normal person, but just within them, they have all this knowledge and all these talents. And that's the thing that I, I learned getting to know you through our friendship is that at first it was like, oh, John's this really great guitarist. And then it was like, holy shit, he's this really amazing producer and he knows all these crazy programs. And then he knows like Photoshop and then he knows like, um, like software development, right? And I think um, that plays with yoga, right? Because that plays with self-development. So I wonder if you didn't go to the ashram and you didn't leave that life, would you have had the capacity to branch out this like natural ability of yours to just like really dive into material, right? Because like think about everything you know about music and all the terminology, right? Then it's like all these other things you're applying yourself in the same way. That's interesting thought because I don't know what my path would have taken if I hadn't gone into the yoga and the ashram and Mm -hmm. following the guru and finding out what that was all about. But I do want to say about that is that um, I was at a point in my life, I was about 18, 19, I just graduated from high school uh, from a general diploma. I didn't have matriculation. I couldn't go to university. I couldn't even get into like a, a like an innate to, to study a, a trade even. I didn't have, I, I would need to go back to high school to get that stuff. And I, I never really excelled in those, you know, maths and sciences. So art was my my best subject in school and i think i would have uh uh kind of lost my thought here so oh yeah getting back to like where i was at emotionally mm-hmm. at that point like all of a sudden you're out of high school all of a sudden all your friends are gone they're all doing whatever going to university going to nate going to different colleges whatever the, and all of a sudden i found myself just totally alone it was like and I didn't know what what my life was about anymore. It was like I still maintained connection with my, uh, one musician friend of mine who played the drums, and we tried to keep a band going. And then it became pretty clear. It was a pretty good wake-up call when he got an offer to join a rock band. And it was like, no, it's every man for himself now. You know, like yeah. I, I was trying to get into the band with him, but they didn't want me. They just wanted him. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, your, your high school buddy band mates – you know, it, it doesn't work that way in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. And so I felt really alone, really isolated, really depressed. I went through a major depression in my life at that point and was just reaching out, searching for something. So I was vulnerable emotionally to be sucked into how cults work. Mm-hmm. And the way cults work is like they want to keep you like not part of the group yet. There's certain, there's a certain trial you have to go through before you're accepted as a group and the more they keep you away from that like it was and for for that group it was uh the initiation so every now and then an initiator would come by to to initiate you into the the meditation and i was like okay well when's the next initiator's coming oh in a couple weeks he'll be here but but they just said no keep coming to satsang keep listening to you know satsang 
And yeah, and just so that it's clear, this was at the ashram that you moved to when you got rid of everything, got rid of your that guitar. That was before before that, before yeah. the ashram, because yeah. I was still not part of the group. I hadn't been initiated yet, so yeah. I was still in Edmonton and, and going to satsang. And, but I don't know if we want to divert too much into that no, story. No, like... Because um, we're more about talking about the music here. But yeah, just to, to kind of wrap yeah. that up again, is just the, the vulnerable state that when you're in such a, a state of vulnerability psychologically and looking for meaning in your life, it's very easy to get trapped, get pulled into into a cult. And, and in hindsight, that's what that was, a, a cult. We're going to have another podcast about, to get more into detail about that. Yeah, and, and, for sure. And who the guru was and so on. But, mm-hmm. but yeah... Uh, getting back to what you were talking about about the technology and yeah i got my first computer around 1983 the radio shack coco 2 64k <laughs> 64 k it was like that was a lot of memory wow yeah, yeah and and uh and started learning uh eventually some software come out with a really really basic uh audio card at the time that give you just really sounded like organ sounds <laughs> and four-part harmonies that I just started playing with uh, composing stuff. I even have some of those tracks still. Uh, yeah, that's the one thing that um, I really appreciate about just how your system is just within your studio is like you have music and recordings from like the 80s, you know, or like music that you've worked on for 20 years and finally got to the point to actually finish it like we were listening to um, the other night. Um, and I, I just think that to me is the sign of a good mentor, you know, someone who intuitively and just out of your own desire or out of your own volition, you just knew to back everything up, right? You just knew to be like, um, if I'm going to be a professional about this and if I'm going to take this seriously, then I'm just going to have access to everything that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And so I think what that's set me up for is a way to learn how to operate that way right and that's how i consider you a mentor that it's not just we're friends and you're my music producer um that there's a fixed um like variable there right and the fixed variable is actually the mentorship part of just like what i'm learning because you'll just honestly assess things for me right you'll be like yeah this isn't working and Um, as much as my personality wants to suddenly reject it, you know, like last night where you're like, yeah, I think your setup and your podcast is like, you know, um, you know, you should have a table and like all this stuff. Right. Immediately. I was just like, Oh, (laughs) and then I just sat with it for a second. I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're totally right. And then it took till this morning, till today, where I was looking at it and I was like, oh yeah, it is a simple fix where I can keep everything the way that it is, put a bigger table here, uh, reposition the cameras. And um, that is what tells me that the mentorship is working, Hmm. right? Hmm. Um, Yeah, because if someone is always just 
agreeing being agreeable with you yeah they're not you're not really learning anything from them yeah exactly. and it's people who are agreeable who who uh don't really succeed to the higher levels of in their in their chosen field in their occupation and in, in uh in their in their life yeah because because being agreeable is just it's it's uh, passive right yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's insecure and um yeah what's great and what i what i value so much is that given our age difference all that signifies to me is that you have that much more life experience and so you've been around um you know performances where you have to dial in everything right so you already have that like functioning in you where um before anything gets launched before anything gets set up it's like on your end and in the back end do you have everything in place properly set up right? oh yeah it's and i'm like the complete opposite i'm just like yeah we'll just throw it all together and we'll see how it goes <laughs> right and then i i adjust as i go along right and mm -hmm. and so um yeah and that and that's where i see the synchronicity in all of it it's like i you know i can only have gratitude and appreciate the people in my life that can add things right like um adding the compression um stack so that now the audio is just f fucking awesome right mm -hmm. um and that it that that was like the thing that was always missing to me as a musician is the lack of care of that stuff and now seeing how important it is um is what's really getting me to understand how like powerful the music is when all the quality and everything is in place right um and and that was the motivating fact to why i was like nitpicky on things like especially when like you'd finish a track and you'd be like yeah okay well like you know this is what i've put together and then there's just this part of me that wants to zero in and f listen to every single second and listen for this like little imperfection. <laughs> oh, I'm totally like that too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's a whole lot of a checklist for every aspect of production. There's these checklists to go, not, not actual physical checklists, but in my mind, I have these checklists yeah. of that. Okay, you got to do this first, you got to do that. And things have to go in a certain order. Otherwise, you know, you can't be trying to fix a mix in the mastering stage. Mm -hmm. Like if you're trying to fix your mix in the mastering stage with doing a whole bunch of EQing and, and compression, then go back to the mix, fix it there first before you start mastering that. Yeah. So diff little things like that are, are really important. And like you said, with mentorship, something I never had in my life as a musician, I never had a mentor that, that could like steer me in the right direction. It, it seemed part of it, I think, is my own fault because I was so shy and so inhibited and so introverted and I didn't know how to ask for help. I was just like uh you know a scared little kid and mm. I, I it took me a long time to get past that stage and i had to be my own mentor by by because my left brain is is so uh, analytical and and even though i'm very creative my left brain is very dominant as well and very analytical and very uh like i want to know everything about everything yeah and 
I, I see how that shows up, right? When, um, when you show me the stems that you created for every single song, right? And I had no idea it was even like that. I thought like, oh, we'll make the album. It's 10 songs. And then that's it. And you're like, no, I made extra like uh, elements or like extra kind of like versions of it like 20 times on each song. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, so you can do a remix of just a drums and just a, a guitar or just a bass and a drums or just whatever you want. Like, and, yeah. and, and the reason for that is because of music publishing and, and what my company's uh, publishing goals are is to get synchronization licenses, which means getting the music synced to film, television, advertising, commercials, that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Whereas audio editors will want to have those stems so they can do alternate mixes with it. Maybe they want uh, just the bass and drums off of that song for, yeah. for 30 seconds here or there. Or maybe they want just the, the guitar with a, a synthesizer uh, part in the background, different things like that. So, and, and that's, uh, it's really time intensive work too. And, and, and you have to really be paying attention to detail to make sure you get those stems output in the right way so that yeah. when you put them all together it's going to sound just like your final mix your yeah. final mastered song and, and yeah. that's uh, and it's a learning process i mean it, i didn't know all that stuff uh until like maybe a couple of years ago when i first took a, a music licensing course from from a composer and producer who who's been who has over two thousand placements in fil film and television and advertising and, and wow. learned a lot from that and and then the publishing business i didn't know anything about either i i i knew enough about uh artist management and and song registrations and all the different um uh, income streams that a musician can that a songwriter can can have and uh, like your SOCAN registrations to get royalties for for performance rights and uh, the different copyrights that exist and and uh but i didn't know about the publishing business until yeah. after taking the sync licensing thing and and, and that's the thing that. that like most musicians don't even know about like i didn't have any idea on how that any of that works and um you know coming to you initially and asking you to record me doing the guided meditations like the future life progression guided meditations that opened up that whole world right mm -hmm. because then you're mm -hmm. like okay if we're gonna do this then i'm gonna need to sign you on um so that uh we can distribute it distribute um you know profit even like evenly right through whenever this starts to generate income right um and and it's interesting to look back at that point and then fast forward to now and seeing how there's an, now a more clear course direction, right? And how starting with one thing naturally evolves into more. Right? Yeah, that was the next thing you said, oh, I got these guitar things. I just come up with these guitar things. I'm like, oh, hey yeah let's do something with that and it's like 
so yeah, let's talk about mystical rhythms. Album, mystical yeah. rhythms, our first album we did together, and and because uh, I listened to that, and it's like, holy shit, did I do all that? Like, yeah, that, that's what amazes me in, in just about everything that I produce, and, and then I'm away for it for a while. Once when you're in it, you're just saturated with it, and it's like, oh god, I can't wait till this is over with because this I've been you know I've heard this same thing like a billion times, and I just want to get it done. But then, you know, it's done. And then six months later, you decide to listen to it again. It's like, holy shit, did I do that? And mm -hmm. I almost amazed myself. I, I think, uh, how did I do that? But it, it happened. And it's like, yeah, just take these little guitar parts from you, you know, three, four bar progressions. And and then uh, you just said, yeah, go do whatever you want with it. Yeah, <laughs> and it'd be great because I would, I originally just recorded all that stuff on my phone right and and it was it'd be so funny because i'd literally this is when i was living in sun valley um you know this beautiful kind of like historical home with six other people and i would literally wake up some days and immediately just go to my guitar and start playing and some of those tracks were some of that stuff mm -hmm. you know where i have this interesting relationship with my guitar where I'll go without playing for like two months where I just won't even touch my guitar and I don't even get mad about it. I don't even beat myself up. I just recognize that there's some kind of integration happening and I just let it go. Right. And then there'll be this morning I wake up, say if I do my meditation, do my yoga practice, and then suddenly I just have this urge to play my guitar and all this beautiful music comes out and then i'll be like wow i didn't play my guitar for a month and this is what's coming out of it and i feel like i i sort of advanced somehow mm -hmm. you know in that month of not playing um and then i'll just obsess about guitar after that i'll just go on this huge wave of just like recording stuff regularly and daily and then it turns out that you know there's like two albums worth of material um, cause I think for mystical rhythms, there was ignite that was brand new that I made up on the spot while recording another song. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was just like, Oh man, we need to record this right now. Right. <laughs> um, and fragrance was a new one that I made for it. And <clears throat> Westward. Um, and I'm thinking that there's one more. Um, the Search. Because then all the other ones were like years old, right? Like in Lane Dark um, was already four years old at that point, right? And that was... That one to me is like the mass, like the masterpiece of it all, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like the the longest song. It's five minutes or so. Every other one is around two minutes, three minutes. And to me, that is my symphony, my guitar symphony, or um, like classical piece of music, right? That's just totally transformed by all the production and everything that you added to it. Um, so what I want to ask here is 
how have you been adapting to the change in music you know because you are you know like 30 years older than me and so out of those 30 years you've seen three different eras of music fully experienced that i haven't right Mm -hmm. in that kind of totality where um you know, how did you feel like from going from the 90s to the 2000s to 2010s to now in or, and seeing how your likes and your dislikes and the way that you're producing music has changed over that time? Or do you feel like it's relatively same, the same, but kind of adapted? Is that a weird question? Mm, that's <laughs> No, that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, we could go even back farther, like to the 60s. Yeah. You know, like to the Beatles' first album when they hit, you know, the, the Beatlemania when they first came to to North America. And, you know, it was like, uh, I, rem- I was probably still in elementary school in grade six or something, you know, mm-hmm. and we were, we were, and we were singing these, uh, she loves you, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, and that was great. It was funny. From there, when I got into high school, or, or no, before high school, it was like, and the Beatles evolved into, you know, the Eastern, they all went to India, they come back and they're just into this weird shit and I just totally lost interest in them. Completely. Yeah, like strawberry fields. <laughs> yeah, because and... I didn't, I was still too young to get it. Right? Yeah. And then yeah. 1969 happened, Woodstock, and, and I was right there, I was one of the first hippies in my school, you know, with the long hair and that, fuck did I get teased a lot. Oh yeah. By the greasers, you're either a hippie or a greaser. There was no nerds at the time. Hippies or greasers, like greaser would be like Fonzie. Yeah, right? yeah, the yeah. Fonzie guy. And like The Outsiders, right? Like the movie The Outsiders? Uh, I'm not familiar with that one, but. Um, I think Ralph Macchio is in it. Um, <clears throat> There's a whole host of, of famous actors. Um, and it's like your typical American greaser um, stereotype, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're all wearing leather jackets. They're yeah. all like hardcore. Um, yeah, you know, it's like a little gang, but they yeah. all like look after each other because Happy they days. don't have anything, <laughs> you know? Like, um, yeah, that's interesting. And. And so how do you view that, that evolution? Okay, yeah, getting you, back to that yeah. question, it's like um, early in my in, late after high school, was I still? No, it was after high school, I went to Grant McEwen College to take music. I took one year of music. I actually dropped out of there because it was so heavily jazz oriented and I just like uh, was not into jazz. I just wanted to play rock. Yeah. But I, technically, I learned a lot on how to technically improve my playing. And I was never into like commercial pop music. I was all, all more into the heavy, heavy rock and stuff yeah. like that. And, and then I, uh, and through the years, I, I, I've always had uh, a, a leaning towards more progressive rock, uh, like Genesis and who were some of the other bands back then. I can't even remember, but. I was never into mainstream pop music. I, uh, like what about like Boston? Boston, uh, I, I listened to some of that later. That was the, the 80s, I think. Yeah. Boston. That. Um, 
And then uh, over the like more recent music of like the past couple of decades with electronic music coming in, I, I knew some stuff about electronic music from way back, but it's totally changed from what it what it is now. It's totally changed from what it was back then. Yeah. With, uh, and I really got drawn into modern electronic music uh, uh, probably around 2012, 13, 14, then started getting the right software to, to look into that stuff. But I really had a kind of a hate, love-hate relationship with, with how it all evolved because at, uh, back in the 80s, we were all playing in rock bands, playing cover bands and, and making good money uh, touring across Canada doing six-nighters. And you, didn't, you had your own PA, your own sound man, your own lights, everything. You hauled around, set up, play the gig. You, you stayed in the hotel. Um, and all of a sudden, the whole DJ thing just took all that away from so many musicians. So I, I had a love and hate relationship with anything related with DJs. I just wanted to, yeah, uh, kill them. Like, it was and that's like, unfortunate. They right? killed. They killed the live music scene for us. It's not the same as it was back in in that time. Yeah. Where if you want to tour now as a rock band, you're doing one show in Winnipeg. The next show you're doing another night in Edmonton, and then the next show you're going to. Yeah, who knows? Yellowknife. Yeah, you know, like it's crazy, and and living in a van, like it, it, it just it, so getting back to the music thing, and you think as a music producer, I listen to a lot of music. I actually don't hardly listen to any other music at all. Like, I and and I think the reason f for that is because over the years I've heard so much. I've almost I could say that I've heard it all. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing new that I, that you can come out with that I haven't already heard been yeah, done. So yeah. nothing, it's really, really, really hard to impress me. <laughs> so these yeah. DJs that are doing this, you know, like, yeah, okay, so what? Yeah. <laughs> like, technically, yeah, there's a lot involved to produce that shit. And I, and I admire, I, I can imagine the amount of time it takes to produce those, like, dubstep stuff like that. Yeah, and I appreciate and that. But largely is recycling, right? Even even now, what I'm hearing on the radio is a clear recycling of like 2000s electro or electronic pop songs, right? There's this old Kylie Minogue song, right? Na 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 na, it's going all around the. Or like, how does it go again? Uh, all around the world. Da, na, 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 na. right so there's a new song now that takes that that melody and just changes the words and then changes it into a whole other song mm -hmm. right and i was even i was watching this video of how some major pop songs right now where they really just take the actual lines from the song They'll take the actual song lyrics and change the melodies just a little bit and make a whole new song. And they'll pick lines from two different songs and mash them together. And then you have this whole like new Drake mm -hmm. hit or you this like new Black Eyed Peas song when the Black Eyed New Peas song is just this old song that has been recycled. 
right? Yeah. And that's and, nothing new, really. No. Led Zeppelin was doing that with Whole Lot of Love. Like, oh, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, many other songs, right? Uh, so it's nothing really new, but it's just, it, I think now it's so dumbed down as to, like, pop music is so dumbed down in terms of its content. It, like, it doesn't go anywhere. It's just the same. Like, you could do a song, like, two chords, like, yeah. for example. And, and and the tricky thing with these kind of conversations <clears throat> is they seem so judgmental, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. And, and but that's okay. I think that's okay because it's important to have a conversation where we're recognizing the way that music has evolved and to make comparisons, right? So that the trap of needing to reproduce the same kind of music in order to hit the the like mainstream vibe and and wave of all that that's what is in my mind not to do so that the music that we do create is unique and it doesn't really matter what people say right mm -hmm. like when we look at our album that we made there's a flow to it every song is so wildly different and there's you know there's simple patterns to it right and, and that too and and it takes you it takes you on a journey it's not just the same yeah. loop over and over and over again like it and to me that's that's what music is like i mean i had really huge influence back when i was uh with with classical music with Be beethoven and mozart and uh, like listening to that oh yeah and my favorite of all time is uh symphony number no. seven the second movement I'll just put that on like anytime randomly and just listen to the second movement because there's something so powerful to it that is literally irreplaceable and um, really so ahead of its time, right? Which is so cliche to say. And that's what inspires me to make music because I look at stuff like that and then I look at what's going on in the radio and you can see that the producers and the publishers of this music, they know very well this system because they have been a part of it since its onset, right? Since the beginning. Because mm -hmm. if you were to trace back all the way to Led Zeppelin, if you trace back all to these like early rock um, um, artists that were backed by these production companies, right? Publishing companies. Record labels. Record labels that that system of how to produce music hasn't changed, right? It's the underlining fabric of, well, you take elements from this song and this song, and because they were both really high on the charts, you can put them together, and you can make a new song, but it's familiar to everyone, so you have a greater chance of actually catching uh, the attention of people because then they, they can't quite put their finger on it. They're like, Oh, this reminds me of something. This reminds me of something. Well, it reminds you of a song that you probably heard a thousand times before listening to the radio and you don't even know it. Right. And that I think is almost outplayed now. Right. That seems irrelevant as to me personally, as an artist, to want to create projects that are just exciting to me, like working with Marin, right? And now look at the kind of music we're making and look at um, the, the opportunity to expand in that 
audio space, right? And th the stuff that we're making is, it, that's what's new to me. Like you were saying how you'd be super surprised if anyone were to actually bring anything new. Well, I think we're doing that, right? <laughs> like that's the irony of, of that. At the same time, using things that are derived from like a, a lot of uh, different styles of, of electronic music. and, and Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Getting back to why I hardly listen to any other kind of anybody else's music because I use my own productions to as as something to derive from mm -hmm. to create even more unique sound of who I am as a composer, a producer. Yeah, and I think that's what's missing in in a lot because you listen to you can listen to all the different trance DJs and they all sound the same. Yeah, because. There's that fundamental, ns, 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 and at ns, the same time ns, that ns, you know Beethoven creates such an emotional stirring, it's an emotional journey in the music. Yeah, you know, at the same time trances that too, but it's on such a more superficial level, just musically, where you have you know your breakdown, then you build up again, and boom, boom, everybody's going crazy right yeah i mean and you know that's the same thing with you know how beethoven would have brought it way down right and then slowly yeah you know and then just hit you again you know with with the drop right like some of beethoven's drops are just awesome right yeah but just i mean so the the essence is the same but it's just at the level of music creativity is where it's different it's so much more deeper mm -hmm. you know with beethoven than it is with any trance song but yeah. the same impact is there so and don't get me wrong like for years and most of my life i, I was i need to create a hit song i want a hit song on the radio you know because yeah. i want to get rich right yeah and it never happened and eventually i just gave up on that like i tried to write what i thought were would, could be hit songs if some other artist were to pick it up and play it. But yeah, yeah, I would have loved to be the guy who wrote the hits, you know, last week's top 10 hit, right? <laughs> well, and, and that's what is really interesting and mildly infuriating, infuriating is when you hear someone like Sam Smith, who's like, oh, this hit song that everyone is listening to, he wrote it in 10 minutes. And they recorded it and had it ready in 24 hours, you oh, know, wow. <laughs> like literally like that's the caliper that a, a lot of these singers and musicians are working at. Right. Where there's they have access to so much funding and they have everything ready in the disposal, like a full on studio that just literally gets turned on yeah. a flip of a switch that then they can go, oh, shit, I have an idea for a song write down the lyrics, start thinking about the melody. Oh, okay, I have this song. And then let's go to the studio. Let's start working on it, right? And then it's just immediately they can already start tracking and already start producing a demo, right? Yeah, and they'll maybe even have other writers that they collaborate with. Like, Oh, yeah, and, with, uh, and just musicians at the top, like just yeah. a drop of a bucket, you know? They're like, okay, we'll call up the crew. We're going to go and we're going to start doing this, right? Because a lot of these hit songs by artists who don't even write their own material are written by like, four or five or even six different writers are all yeah. writing yeah. just that one song together. Like, uh, yeah. are you familiar with Side Effects by the Chainsmokers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's another example there. Like, um, Emily Warren, she was a writer of that song, but there's also the group of, there's up to four, I think, four other writers that yeah. contributed to that song. 
and then those chain chain smokers were the producers on that and yeah it's an amazing song yeah that is I amazing mean, song. It, it's a great song i love I, I love that song like that kind of production it, it's a little more up notch up from uh, some of some of the stuff you hear on the radio mm-hmm. i don't know if that was a big radio hit or not though but um i don't know <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. It, I'm sure it got the airtime that it did, but um, yeah. And you know, this kind of conversation always allows me to reflect on why I keep going forward with the music that I'm creating and and why I want to keep learning. And it always comes back to some of the first realizations that I had playing guitar and how hard it was and the first four years of just absolutely struggling and seeing how angry I would get because Mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I find something clicked, right? Like relative minors. Like I I remember being in my apartment when I lived with my brother, when I was 19 years old being like, Oh, holy shit. Relative minors. That's what connects everything together. Right? So if, um, if I'm playing G major, there's E minor in it. And then that, but then trying to get my fingers to actually do it, trying to actually get my physical body to compute so that I can smoothly go from this chord to this chord and play melodies in it. And having my whole body reject doing it properly, you know, (laughs) and just wanting to smash my guitar and being like, Oh my God, this is teaching me about myself. This is so much more than just the actual instrument. This is emotional now, right? I'm actually getting triggered emotionally because my brain and my or my mind and my body aren't sticking together in this. And seeing how music in my life supersedes the need for a career in monetary, right? Where that's obviously a goal in it. That's obviously something that's, it's in a whole industry, right? There's a lot to make that is potential in there, right? But then the actual foundation of it is that me personally choosing to learn music has nothing to do with anyone outside of me. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's a personal solo journey of learning instruments to learn about myself and my own capacity to actually perform fluidly with the instrument. That's what brings in the money, right? That's where it's impressive because once you have that dialed in and once you can really showcase all of who you are in that emotional capacity through that instrument, then it's, you know, there's a spotlight and a limelight. And that's, um, for me has always been a struggle because out of my entire family, I'm the pioneer, right? Mm-hmm. So like when my dad was a kid, like he grew up in Serbia and he played some, you know, kind of four string guitars, you know, there's like Serbian, there's like, you or like European Kyle style lutes, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was it. And my siblings don't play any instruments or my sisters were taught piano for a couple years but then they stopped playing it but i was the only one that took on the task you know that was like 
I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And it's interesting to see how much struggle shapes that spiritual realization within it. Right. Cause I think it is spiritual. I think having the realization that, Oh, I'm actually advancing myself through this instrument. I'm actually increasing something within me to have a capacity to express myself through a whole other language, right? It's literally a whole other language. And there's, there's an interface, right? All the musical scoring, all the musical notation is the actual logical language of it. And then playing the notes and hearing the language, you are literally speaking a language through your instrument. That's what that mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And we just call it sound. You know, we just call it music when we are conveying a language. And that language, I feel, through the mainstream and the obvious manipulation and co-option of how pop music is so deranged, right? It's so deranged. There's something deranged about it. And it's not to say we slip into this whole like satanic panic and all that bullshit, <laughs> but there's a contorted aspect of why the videos are so deranged and then why the sometimes the artists are so deranged and why the music is so deranged, even though it's so like poppy and like, <laughs> but then like you watch videos from the weekend or Billie Eilish or something, and they're fucking weird. They're just weird videos with this super poppy music. And that, to me, is this signal of what are they communicating in their language of their music, right? So when you hear the music and you hear everything compiled together, what are they telling you? And what are they commuting? And chances are you won't even know. Because I think a lot of that is kept kind of personal, right? Yeah, probably. And I think some of them don't even know what yeah. it is themselves. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's... But it's essentially, like you're saying, a struggle. It comes from a struggle. Mm -hmm. and, and I think every artist goes through those struggles. And, and, you know, people say, oh, follow your bliss and blah, blah, blah. No, follow the struggle that's where the creativity just comes out of those struggles. Like mm -hmm. you think, you know, Beethoven wrote the most incredible symphonies because he was blissed out all the time. No, no. <laughs> well, even, um, uh, you said Beethoven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even with Mozart, you know, um, where he died when he was like 36 yeah, yeah. and he just had all these various health conditions and amidst all of that, he's creating all of this incredible music, right? I think there's something lost within the conveying of that language of music, right? And why we want to know about someone's struggle, right? And so, for example, um, when you look at the mainstream and you look at a lot of the hip hop, um, a lot of the pop, a lot of the rock. Um, 
there's a struggle in the glamour, right? There's a struggle in the life of maintaining that lifestyle, right? Where, oh, and I just had an example where you look at independent artists and they are conveying a very authentic struggle that now you're actually seeing an uprising of these artists. So one, for example, is Tom McDonald. So Tom McDonald, he's actually from Edmonton and he's a rapper. Um, him and his partner are both Canadian, but they live in the United States. And now he's a super famous YouTube star. Hmm. And they worked very hard over the last six years to get to this point of being completely independent and getting th three to four million views within a couple days on their videos. Wow. Right? And a lot of his stuff is controversial. And where I'll bring yoga into this is it's easy to get caught into the whole narrative around why it's controversial, right? And that acts as a magnet to actually draw attention to the video, right? Um, because that's the whole point. The whole point of getting as many video views as you can. It, if you're not this huge record label that you can pump millions of dollars into anything, right? Where you're just this random dude that's suddenly getting millions of views on your videos that his authenticity is what drives that success where the people actually be funneled into seeing the authenticity and not being taken aback by the controversy, mm -hmm. right? Where the controversy is this kind of glamour now to open up into how you can be vulnerable in expressing your opinions without the consequence of being completely shut down and canceled and all this stuff, hmm. right? Where when you listen to his songs, he's super intelligent about how he packages everything together. And that is, I think, missing completely within the whole mainstream narrative because not almost none of it is authentic, right? You, you go and see the sets that people are on to actually produce music videos, right? And it's all fake, right? Where you have someone like Tom McDonald, where he's producing it all himself. Him and two other people are doing everything. And it all reflects who he is as a person, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than listening to a Katy Perry song and the song and the video have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> you're looking at the video and you're like, how does any of them dressed up as Egyptians have anything to do with the song that they're talking about? Right. <laughs> and, you're, and it's just this huge cognitive dissonance. Right. And this like, um, weird convoluted confusion that's unnecessary, mm. I think. Right. Yeah, it'd be like me taking one of our songs, like Fragrance, and having like death metal video playing 
<laughs> right? It's just such a, you know, like, <laughs> it's just so weird. I don't know why they do it. It's just so weird. So it's refreshing to have independent people that are coming up and getting hella views. They're getting a lot of attention and they're being authentic. And that's where I want us to go in what we're doing, right? And and we're, we're taking on the opportunities that come up naturally like we were talking about last night. And then the you know the the videos that we plan to make or the music that we plan to make um i want to touch on that what you're saying about the struggle yeah and my struggle there was a point uh in the late 80s when the whole touring music scene just sort of ended for all of us musicians that were were relying on that um i came to a point where okay well and I always said a joke like, yeah, uh, you know, the joke, don't quit your day job. You don't want to be a musician. Don't quit your day job. Well, I never had a day job. <laughs> so here I was stuck with, okay, I think I'm going to have to get a day job now. Mm -hmm. So so I explored different avenues and w went to college, uh, learned some video communications pr uh, diploma, uh, Graham Kuhn, and, and did a two-year diploma in that, and then tried to work my way into the video production business uh, with with that and eventually did eventually did get into one of Canada's Western Canada's leading video production companies at the time it was called Viacom Multimedia oh yeah that's and right it was the first highest paying job I got and I actually started out as the night dubber so my shift was 4 a.m. till noon <laughs> that was crazy and, and but I was there by myself all night until well till eight when people started coming in for the day shift and it was a great job uh, like I did the dubbing you know dub videos overnight and and when my dubs were done I could just sort of explore whatever I wanted in the company and so I started exploring more in the programming the multimedia programming uh, area and eventually got a, a promotion into multimedia programming from the video production department into the multimedia department uh, shortly after that, 1999, 2000, that whole industry crashed. Uh, yeah. It was because all these people were coming out now in the multimedia production. And this was doing multimedia. It's not what you think of uh, of today's multimedia. Multimedia back then was CD-ROMs mm -hmm. that you'd plug in and it would have like a CD-ROM course that you would take on CD-ROM and you'd go through the course and do the exercises and then do the, do the exams at the end of each section and yeah. And then you passed, you know, they, the, the company, Viacom, did a lot of their main focus was in, in occupational safety and health and training, training workers and different things like that. Uh, like Sincrud was one of their big clients of, of all time. So going from that to all of a sudden now that all these people were getting multimedia programming diplomas from other places and doing it in their basements and all of a sudden no, nobody's gonna pay huge dollars for for that kind of work yeah, anymore yeah when someone can just contract it out and be like hey yeah. you know uh, my service is significantly less than a giant corporation yeah. you know and and my experience there in that day job was and at that point i pretty much gave up on any music i was still actually that was a late 90s where i got my first daw my first digital audio workstation uh on, on windows 98 and 
and I still have some tracks I made uh, back then. And, uh, but I wasn't uh, that serious about it as far as, yeah, I'm going to write a pop song and make a million dollars, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it led me into uh, getting back to what you're saying about, you know, the, the technical, the programming side of, of my skills and, and uh, from being at Viacom, I, I took some courses at Nate in the computer system technology program, they, they paid actually paid for these night courses for me. And I did really well, like I got 92% on logic and programming. And then uh, once I got laid off from there and Viacom pretty much went under, I managed to get into Nate to finish that program because I'd already had enough on the job experience. And, and, yeah. and it was something way back in my early 20s where I was like, yeah, I, I couldn't even go into program because I don't have the necessary math and sciences. But now after that experience, I, I, you know, I struggled to get to get the experience that I needed in order to fulfill that goal. And I did get a, a two year diploma in computer systems technology in one year. I did it in one year. It's like a fast track. And and from that is where uh, yeah, I, I love doing database. I've created some of my own database programs to, to do accounting stuff like that. And, and it's, and had a few little jobs doing uh, freelance work in that area. And, but during all this time, you know, music is still in the background and I'm, and at some, at a certain point I, I stopped playing guitar for maybe even 10 years. I just couldn't care less about it. And I, I, wow. I could have never imagined then where I'd be right now today. Yeah. And part of that is all because of technology. Yeah. How technology has enabled anybody who's got any sort of uh, inclination towards producing music and learning and being patient to be able to learn what you need to learn to be a music producer and have the talent in music to begin with to, to pursue that. Like it's never been easier. It's never been more accessible it's mm -hmm. not easy, but it's never been more accessible for for everybody, anybody who's desires that to, to get into music production. Yeah. What I was just thinking about is that initial struggle of, say, learning guitar, right? It's like that is an introductory to how to handle struggle th through other areas of your life right because there's something psychological that must be happening where when you learn a very challenging song and it may there's times where it would take me a month or two or more to finally nail down a song and the satisfaction that came from turning the song on and ripping through it perfectly you know, note for note, everything, say if it's Iron Maiden or Megadeth or whatever, right? At least that was my world when I was a teenager, a lot of classic rock and a lot of metal. But then to recognize when I'm in struggle in other parts of my life that doesn't have anything to do with music, my brain is automatically overlapping those learning lessons, right? My brain is almost automatically being like, okay, if you struggled in this area of your life and you overcame it, what was the signifier of how you overcame it? And it was like, well, it was mm -hmm. knowledge, right? It was because at the beginning, 
I didn't know anything about the guitar and I was only learning from tabs. And as soon as I started gaining knowledge, as soon as I started applying the knowledge of um, understanding the circle of fifths, understanding the chord structures, understanding the keys and understanding the terminology that then my struggle didn't prevent me from progressing it advanced my progression hmm. you know because then the kind of struggle that i was going through in the first four years not learning anything and honestly like sucking at guitar to suddenly learning all these fundamental points of everything you know you need to start with music that then suddenly in a year i'm still struggling the same but I just advanced in a year more than I did in four years. Mm. Right. And, and I think that is so valuable and, you know, it's just something that I want to encourage anyone. And that's what I tell. And that's why I've been telling people for the last 10 years. Plus learn an instrument. Don't even care about whether or not you're going to do it in front of people who cares about that. Just pick an instrument, learn it and have fun learning it and see what happens to yourself and possibly why you become motivated to actually um, perform if that's something you want to do or that you have this special thing just for yourself that no one forced you to do your parents didn't force you to do it no one forced you to do it. it's just something that maybe you hear it from me and you're like Oh yeah, maybe I will pick up an instrument. Maybe I will pick up a guitar. But that is coming out of your vol own volition and then seeing how that shapes who you are as a person and anything else. Because then suddenly, if, if you can go from having no musical experience at all to suddenly two years later playing some of the most complex music ever, Right. And there's people out there that you can watch YouTube videos of um, some random dude being like day one learning enter the Sandman. And it's like. Right. Super simple. Just learning to two years later. Uh, knowing um, the entire solo to nothing else matters, you know. And, and how just playing every day for two years got to this point where this person's just like, just ripping through it, mm -hmm. right? Because um, that sets a precedence, I think. That sets a precedence for, okay, now when I go to my job and I apply that, how is that going to advance me? Okay, if I apply this to my friendships, how is that going to advance the friendships? If I apply it to my relationship, if I apply it to exercise, if I apply it to um, music production, if I, you know, and that's where I see you naturally did, right? Where when I look at everything, you know, about Photoshop and you're just showing me and you just know it, like, just like you're reading the manual, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's like, you just got it open. You're like, yeah, this is okay. This is, but you know, you're not it's just off the top of your head. Um, that's, to me was the signal of mentorship, right? That I was like, oh, okay, John's my mentor. Yes, we're friends. Yes, he's my producer. 
um, and, you know, semi-music teacher to some degree. Um, but that all falls under the umbrella of, like, mentorship. Yeah. And I have to say, you've taught me a lot, too, in the, in the few years that we've gotten on each other more. And just the amazing ideas that you come up with about life and about the world and about people and about uh, just things that I, yeah. would, I would never, ever consider and showing me some different breathing techniques and stuff like that. And uh, even though I, I don't practice yoga, I, I did one I, in my early 20s when I was in the ashram thing. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it was 6 a.m. You got up and you did yoga for an hour before breakfast. And, and I became actually fairly advanced in yoga tech. I can still, even to this day, I'm still very flexible and, and I can easily get back to that same point I was at in my 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, for my age, uh, I'm, in, uh, I'm very happy to be in really good shape because I value exercise, I value eating right, I value all these things. And, and that becomes just a part of who you are, a part of uh, being in flow with with uh, in everything that you do where there's there's no resistance you it's not like you have to force yourself to do these things you you get up and you look forward to doing these things just for for your own sake because you you care about yourself you care about mm -hmm. and and it's not because oh you know i want to show how my muscles have grown or whatever like yeah <laughs> how, how much i can squat or bench press or whatever it doesn't matter it's like no, I don't do it to, to show up. It's, I, I do it because I'm loving myself more for doing it. Mm -hmm. And for so long in my life, I've, I haven't even liked myself. Mm -hmm. I've, and get to the point of where I spend a lot of time alone and I, I love the time alone. And, and the thing, that's the thing about our society today being in such a... Uh, a, a short attention span and people just don't want to be alone they always got to have some music playing they always got to have the tv on got to have the radio on got to be around people and a lot of people that are like that because they can't stand being alone because they're so miserable yeah they're they're so filled with negative self-talk that they can't be alone it's only getting away from being around other people that they can ignore that self-talk and and to get to a point in my life where i'm totally fine being alone i don't have a girlfriend i'm not married and i don't care about that i'm mm -hmm. just so happy and, and fulfilled just being myself and and spending time and and pursuing the things that i love and when i do have a social interaction with people it's even that much more enjoyable yeah because i'm coming from a place where i'm already like myself i already like my own company right mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's something that has taken me years to get to. And that's what's so nice about guitar is that you are alone with your instrument and you are distracting yourself because you're, you're not so almost like docile and inactive where then your mind is just going to kick into dwelling on negativity yeah, and yeah where then the, the performance of playing the guitar in that moment 
is is taking you out of that mind chatter but then i find that when when i'm alone and i'm playing my instrument it actually engages this flow of of mind activity that sometimes has nothing to do with the guitar mm. right where i'm just i'm just playing and i'm just playing and all of a sudden these insights are coming in and i think that's what can be so beneficial to people in just self-development right where that half an hour or how much time you're taking to play the instrument that you recognize that it's 20 minutes of self-development and what's being developed is not only your physical skills of playing if you are learning a song and you're fine-tuning it or you finally got to the point where you're in the flow of just playing it and you're fine-tuning how you can really feel into it that the self-development is going to further your confidence and your comfort in being alone because you're going to want to play music more, right? You're going to want to play your own music. You want to express yourself through that music more. And so then when you put your guitar down, you'll naturally want to spend time reflecting on what you just did, right? And think about music a little bit more before you even go on. And um, I remember when I was in my early 20s, I really started getting obsessed with metal, particularly old neoclassical metal, you know, um, Cacophony, Ingwe Malmsteen. And oh, Malmsteen. <laughs> yeah, those two particular. And then into, you know, Megadeth. And um, I really obsessed with, or got accepted, obsessed with cacophony and jason becker and marty friedman and being so mind blown by their talent and their skill um and i kind of forget where i was going with this but that they are the epitome of self-development right of of where it all goes if you dive so deep into it and that's i think what people are afraid of they're afraid in this weird way of getting obsessed with something that potentially doesn't take them anywhere right and that's why there's always this negative attitude towards musicians and families where it's like no I, I don't want to go to university to be a doctor or this or that i'm gonna start a band and i'm gonna make music and always unanimously it's like what do you think you're doing why are you doing that this is absurd why would you want to waste your time you're not going to get anywhere this right so i think if we switch the narrative from having to cut away everything else and only focus on music the people who have careers in other things that they can pick up music as an additive to just their own personal self-development. Mm -hmm. So you can be a chemical engineer and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to start playing the drums. You mm -hmm. know, I've, I've got a garage that I have my own space. I'm just going to, you know, piece together a drum kit cause it's going to be expensive. You know, I'll spend the next year, month after month i'm just going to prepare myself get the kit piece together 
and then I'm gonna start playing. Or I'm gonna get a guitar because you know there's cheap Jackson guitars for 300 bucks, and I'm just gonna do it for myself. And there's something really powerful in that. There's something that I think the universe listens to. It's like your higher self listens to that. It's like, oh, here's another one that shows exploring their own self-development through music and it's you know you get a round of applause from your Mm -hmm. higher self they're like yep that's Mm -hmm. that's a good thing to do yeah and i want to point out in that that if you're a young kid and you're going into yeah like most young kids yeah i want to play guitar and have a band as much as I, I don't want to sound like that high school counselor that says, okay, you know, what are you going to do when you get out of high school? I want to play in a rock band. Cause that's my conversation I had with my counselor. Mm-hmm. And what was she telling me? Well, being a musician is not really that great of a career path. So you might want to look at a trade because you don't have the matriculation you need. So, you know, look at, you know, it could be an electrician, a plumber, a, a carpenter, carpenter help, you know, those type of things. And, and I'm like, no, totally closed off. So, I would just ask that you be open-minded because Mm -hmm. the chances of you becoming rich and famous because you're going to pick up a guitar and get in a band are probably zero, (laughs) maybe Mm 0.001, right? That's the reality of of the music business. Yeah. Even though right now we have all the tools that we've never had before and all the, the uh, that are there for us to create stuff in our basement yeah uh it's you know having a million plays of your thing on youtube is not going to bring you a million dollars right no it's it's a vanity metric yeah and and so you know i just ask that kids have an open mind like yeah finish high school get a good education and then you still got time to to, to pursue the creative stuff yeah and like you said it's just going to be an addition to your life not yeah i mean it depends to how how strong a desire you have and well and that's the thing it's not easy and it's not meant to be easy these these instruments are so tactile and they're so taxing uh, not only physically but mentally and emotionally right um especially if you have a complex where usually things are really easy for you. Like I remember when I was a kid growing up, like most things I can grasp really quickly and and move forward and I can get going on it. Guitar was the only thing that just halted me in my tracks. I was Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 you can't rush through this shit. Mm -hmm. You have to put in the hours and you have to put in the work. Right. And so that is just naturally intimidating, but I, I tell people to do it anyway, and I, and I try to plant the seeds because in, in a world of music that's so heavily dominated by pop culture and joining into this industry, right, where I think there can be like artisan musicians who have no affiliation with any market. You know, they have no affiliation with any industry and they are just buying an instrument for themselves to just learn the songs that they want to fucking learn. Mm -hmm. And they'll never put a video up. Mm -hmm. They'll never put a recording up. They'll never do a show. 
And I, I think that's really beautiful because I think that's, that's just doing something and putting something out into the world in the moment that no one has control over except you, right? So when I'm just in my living room by myself or in my studio here and I have my guitar and I just close my eyes and I start playing, I'm doing something in the moment that no authority figure outside of myself can stop me. And that's so empowering. And then to feel like I just spent the last 16 years of my life to get to this point, to have this freedom, to fully express myself through this language and not even record it, not even do anything. It's I'm purely playing this for myself. And it's so magical and uplifting. And it really almost creates this charge of energy around you. And it's so special. And that to me, um, and I think we can kind of end it off here. So we're just over well over an hour, but, um, like the whole idea of sound healing, right. And how over the last 20 years, sound healing has emerged within the world of what music is because for decades it's been entertainment right mm. it's like rock and country and jazz and blues and it's and it's all for this entertaining purpose right no matter what the content right blues is so soulful and so heartfelt but it's still for entertainment right where then you have sound healing that slipped into entertainment right it kind of slipped into yoga mm. festivals and slipped into um, yoga workshops where there's a whole bunch of people and you're playing these beautiful singing bowls and weird instruments, right? Yeah, I participated in quite a few of those over yeah. the past few years and it had tremendous benefits. But I think even just by yourself with any instrument, you can be playing a trumpet and you can just be in it and feeling it and just lost in everything that there is that is sound healing. Absolutely. Right? Because you're allowing and you're opening yourself up to the vibrations of music in the in a way that your left and right brain have almost no um, negative reaction to, right? It's like your left brain all of a sudden gears down and your and your right brain becomes more sensitive. And then suddenly there's this unification. You're having this immensely beautiful moment where you're not even keeping track of time. I, I remember moments where um, it was with this one song called Images by Cacophony where halfway through there's this really beautiful um, sweeping part. And it's so intense. And I, and I learned it. Hmm. And I remember getting home from work uh, working at a restaurant as the line cook and coming home and smoking a bunch of weed and then playing that part for four hours straight <laughs> for four hours straight right i had this like massive bc rich warlock guitar that the action the strings were like literally like a millimeter away so it's just butter right it's just i you don't have any effort in pressing the frets down and so sweeping is super easy and then I, I just did it over and over and over again. And I didn't even realize. I just stopped and I was like, what time is it? Because like, I got home at 1 and it's 4 a.m. And it just blew my mind <laughs> that four hours can go by playing this one little thing. And it's just because of how obsessed 
I was with it and how deep I felt into just learning it and, and doing it right. The motions of watching your hand being like, you know, and just so magical. And that is what I think is so special that people really need to get into. Um, and it can be on the ukulele. It can be on anything, right? Anything that you just want to pick up and learn, you know? And it's I, about it's about that focus, yeah. That, that calms the mind, that puts you in a, recept, a receptive state of awareness where there's no more judgment about anything. You're mm-hmm. just in the flow because you're so focused, and there's no there's no room for th- thoughts to get in the way to distract you. Yeah. And I've experienced that so much too in in playing the guitar. There's a there's a composer. I can't remember who it was. He says he makes three kinds of music, right? One for everyone, right? One for the like upper class and mm-hmm. then one for God <laughs> that no one hears, right? And that always stuck with me. And I have done that to the point where I would be by myself with my guitar and just breathe. And before I even play anything, I just connect to that, you know, and I'm just like, I'm just going to let whatever comes out, comes out. That's largely how Enlightened Dark came about. Hmm. Yeah. And because it was over such a long period of time, it was like probably a, a year that it took to actually put all that together when I, when I first started working on it, because I would, I would come up with one part and I'd let it be and then come back and would be playing something and it would just immediately connect, you know, in my Mm. mind would be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's going to go with this. Um, so with that is there any last thing? you want to share or say um uh i had some thoughts i was reflecting on on uh when you're talking about you know learning guitar and being an awesome guitar player and you know to shred these amazing things and yeah i I just had a uh, recall my son ryan who he's 30 now and when he was in high school they have a they have music class in high school but it wasn't the same when i was in high school it's like rock uh, yeah it's like how to be in a rock band in high school music not like playing the, uh, the trombone which i had to yeah, try to yeah yeah like weird like just band like music fi- yeah band like orchestral 50s. band yeah so like, and he just excelled at the guitar like one day he came home well he had started by getting introduced to all these uh, classic rock guitar players through through guitar hero he was a yeah. video, he was a video game nerd <laughs> and he was just he actually won a, a video uh, a, a contest in guitar heroes and was on on uh, bre- breakfast morning breakfast show or something on on local tv yeah interviewed and and stuff like that and then next thing you know he, he comes dad i want an electric guitar i'm like okay and both him and his mom uh, um, his mom and i actually we met and as musicians she's a singer and we put a band together and we toured for a few years before he came along uh, so he had both that musical influence on on both sides 
but never did I or, or his mom ever say, oh, why don't you learn guitar? Why don't you do? No, we just let him do his thing mm -hmm. uh, growing up and decide for himself where he wants to focus. And so it was kind of a surprise to me, like he wants electric guitar and, and, he, and okay, let's go down to Axe Music. We bought him his first electric guitar and amp and he just started learning this. He could play Rising Force by Malmstream. He could do that whole solo. Holy <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. So uh, he got me inspired to try to learn it, but he could still play it better than me. And he was like, uh, he was an awesome guitar player. And I had only taught him a few things. I showed him a few scale patterns to, to do. And the rest, he just on his own. Yeah. He never had a formal guitar lesson in his life. <laughs> and and uh, so at that point, uh, I'm like pretty proud of him. But I remember something someone told me once about being you know an awesome you can be the best guitar player in the world in, in a band but if you're not the front man if you're not the lead singer the front person then you're just always going to be the side the second you know yeah level down on the on the ladder and i and i said you should learn how to sing mm -hmm. he was really shy about that at first and uh but eventually you know he got it and he he, he continued with it and he was trying to sound like uh, some of the guys like Linkin Park, uh, some of those really heavy uh, singers, heavy rock singers. Mm -hmm. And I told him, uh, no, you don't have a voice like that. You're never going to sing like that. And I told him that purposely in order to yeah. say, fuck you, dad. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to show you. And that's exactly what he did. He has the most amazing screaming voice now Yeah. that... I'm like, holy shit, Ryan. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah. So sometimes uh, sometimes that's the way you, you really get someone inspired is by telling them, oh, no, you can't do that. You'll never be able to do that. Mm -hmm. That's the way you actually get them to, to do it. Yeah, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened to me with my friend Derek because it was just a, probably three years in of, of playing guitar, and I had no idea what I was doing, you know? only learning half of songs not even fully committing because i was also just heavily addicted to video games and uh playing games online so that was dedicating my time i wasn't really focusing on guitar too much but then having a friend tell me man you suck so much you need to just stop and stop playing altogether and never play ever again <laughs> and i dead looked him into the eyes and was like Thank you for telling me that. Honestly, thank you because now I am never going to stop playing and I'm going to prove to you and myself that I'm 100% going to get better. And fast forward like four years and I'm at his house and I'm just playing his dad's guitar and he comes around the corner. And he's like, dude, is that you? And I'm like, yep. He's like, holy shit. You just excelled. You just got so much better. It's incredible. And I was like, yep, thanks to you, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, before we go, I, I do want to, of course, plug Zorananda.com. Yeah. Where you can find uh, Mystical Rhythms. And then there's our uh, Mystical Rhythms Volume 2, which is uh, five of the songs on Mystical Rhythms, the full production album, um, which includes, which is an acoustic version with... Uh, Marin, who plays violin mm -hmm. and viola tracks, and and it is a whole different feel from the the yeah I the love it yeah I love it too and yeah. it takes you on a, a 
different kind of journey. Yeah. And I also want to plug uh, my son Ryan. His his latest band now is HolidayMonday.com, and we it actually his first EP that we released was just last the last Holiday Monday we had on Victoria Day. It was kind of a coincidental. Yeah. That we got it all done at the the four songs done by that time, and and it was like oh. Today's, it's literally holiday it's, Monday. It's holiday Monday, and we released it on that day. So that is Perfect. only available on holidaymonday.com. You can listen to those tracks, nice. four tracks there for free. It's a three-piece band. Ryan plays guitar and sings. Uh, Dustin, he plays bass and sings as well. So there's two lead singers in the band, which makes it unique. Yeah. And then Paul plays drums, and he is one heck of a groovy, oh, groovy drummer. Yeah, he is so good. It's... Yeah, it's intimidating because I was, you know, like uh, just starting to play drums and hearing everything that he does is so great. And I also want to plug uh, a, an artist I've been working with for about four years now. We've taken a break now from production for a while uh, is Soleil Love. And that's soleillove.com. And she's also on, yeah. on Spotify. Yeah, and all the links will be in the descriptions. I'll have them all there. Great. Um, yeah, and... So the, the volume two is submitted. It's not quite out yet. Volume two is on, should be on Spotify now. Should be on Spotify yeah. now. Dope. So All right. Mystical I'm gonna, Rhythms volume two. Yeah, Spotify. I'm going to start um, putting that out there. Or iTunes well. is another one it's, it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to this chat of ours about music, about yoga, about life. And... With that, have a wonderful rest of your day and enjoy.